Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And I'm Evie Reed. And this is the From First to Last podcast. This is the From First to Last podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I, we get together each week and we work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last. Craig, this season, it's season five. We are talking Ron Howard. Yes, good old Ron. Good old Ron. I can't believe we are 14 films into this season today. Yeah, and I'm not feeling tired. I usually am. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) I feel like... I, I still feel like, oh, we're getting into the good stuff. I know. We're getting into I, the good stuff. I feel like we've had some really tasty hors d'oeuvres. Have you ever been to a wedding where the hors d'oeuvres are just like, man, there's some good hors d'oeuvres. Oh, I man. can't wait till the main comes. That's like pretty much every wedding. That's true. <laughs> but I, went to, I love hors d'oeuvres. I went to one and they served a mushroom risotto. Actually... <laughs> I'm thinking of my own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> the food was great there. The food was great. Loved uh, it. But there you go. My <laughs> mushroom risotto was so good. I remember thinking, oh, man, this is so good. I can't wait man, for the maid to come out. I rock at weddings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Well, we've had a great season so far. Uh, we have 14 films is a lot. Like, if we think about it, yeah, you know, we and it is a, a real testament to Ron Howard's filmography, the fact that, we're 14 films in and we are in no way tired of watching his movies. No, exactly. Well, I guess also, I think it also helps with the lack of signature. Um, like the lack of definite signature, yes. you know what I mean? We like, can't tire of him. Yeah, exactly. We're not tiring of like, you know, being too much in your face all the time, watching and watching and watching it. Because they're actually all very, very different films. And so, you know, it's almost like, well, like you can tell Ron Howard's taken a back step to the story. Yeah, I love it. I actually think... In a, a world where... In a world. Well, yes, in a world where people are told. Um, <laughs> but it's we, we live at a time where people want to put their fingers in everything. Yeah. Like, it's just like they want to make sure that their signature is across everything. I am so astounded by Ron Howard never giving into what's almost like a human urge. Yeah, to exactly. Like, just be like, here's my flourish. But he hasn't given into the branding. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, there's just some. Well, there are some directors who direct, and I think they put their personalities into it, and they can't help but do so. Yeah. But then now there are also some directors who direct who deliberately push a signature or a branding yes. into it to yes. try again. So you go, oh, I know what this film who directed this. You know yes. what I mean? Like, I don't see even though I know it's a Scorsese film. I don't feel like he's pressuring his his signature no. on me. It just happens to be his personality onto yes, that film. I think, and I guess that's what, when you really think about it, is a great director. Zemeckis exactly. was the same. Yeah, Zemeckis was the same, definitely. Um, is that he could go a different tone, he could go a different style of film. It still felt like a Zemeckis film, but in no way were you like... Oh, I'm so tired of being Zemeckis out, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think Ron Howard's done really well. And I think I'm looking forward to his future films because I think they continue that. Yeah. At no way does he give into it. I, I love that. Now, Craig, last week we had a rather loose episode due to an ingestion of chicken. 
Oh yeah. Um, oh, so we full got, of chicken. We got a little bit wild during Ed TV. I'm still full of chicken. <laughs> it's um actually I did contemplate getting some on the way home to record today from work, but oh, uh, um I love chicken. But Ed TV, what a what a revelation of a film yes, it was. I hey, know. what a what a wacky little film that I really enjoyed. That just was very heartwarming. Yeah, uh, and I guess Ed TV is what Ron Howard does best. Yeah. Isn't it? Like if you were to say, if there is a signature for Ron Howard or a wheelhouse that he can like really slot into easily, I think those heartwarming um, comedies that focus on relational yeah. um, dynamics yeah. is is really what Ron Howard nails. But it's with his partners, Gantz and Mandel. Yeah. So without them, he's not getting the, the script that really... Again, they've grown into it, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Well, he makes you care for the character. He does. And so if you look through all of his films, it's about how he makes you care for the character. Yes. Um, whether it's a simple flourish or if it's just a simple line of dialogue that Bob Blue and all them put together. Yeah. You, you, he gets you into the character, then which then gets you into the story. Yes. It's actually really, it's really fitting and quite interesting that we talk about his ability to do that. Because mm. this week's film, which is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, yeah. is essentially a dislikable character yeah. that he's focusing on for the first time. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a very dislikable character. So will Ron Howard be able to make us like a dislikable character when his strength is finding the things that people like about a character? Yeah, yeah, very true. It's, very re- true. it's really, really interesting. So, as I did just previously mention, this week's episode is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Da-da. The Dr. Seuss reimagining. Yes, the Dr. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Seuss. What's his real name? Theodore Giesel? Giesel? Yeah, I, I don't want to pronounce it wrong, but I probably did. There's some Dr. Seuss fans yelling at me. But um, I don't care. Do you want to hear about the <laughs> the lead up to how the film was made yeah, before we do. get talking? This is this is this will be a film that I'm I'm very interested to see how it's It's actually up. it's quite intriguing the the journey for the film. Um I've loved researching this one and it's one of those ones I thought I'd done enough research and then today in my lunch break I did one last little search just in case and discovered all this stuff that I was like, dang it! <laughs> um, but anyways, I'll make it work. Don't you worry. Um, so there's been about 20 months between the release of Ed TV and The Grinch. Yep. The As we talked about in the last episode, Ed TV, had, he'd taken a break before Ed TV of about two and a half years, yep. which was his longest break in a very long time. So he's about to just get back into another season where he starts pumping films out again. I think he goes Ed TV, Grinch, A Beautiful Mind, all within three years. He puts those three films out. So um, there's also been a lot going on in Ron Howard's life during this time. Um, Imagine Entertainment is still going from strength to strength. They are really pumping out lots of great content. You know, we talked about again last week that at the same time as Ed TV coming out, they were Imagine releases The Nutty Professor. Yes. And so they're really, they're, there was a time sort of about the late 90s, early 2000s where there were a lot of those sort of films that were um, funny, high concept family films yeah. being made. Uh, and I think Imagine were really sort of cornering that market uh, at the time. So... Their deal with Universal is actually set to expire in 12 months' time. Ooh. 
So in 2001, the deal was set to expire. They had a secondary deal with Disney. So for any reasons, we talked about that in our Ransom episode, they could release some films through Disney, but that would expire in 2000. So suddenly, Imagine Entertainment are up for grabs for distribution rights. And there's a lot of toing and froing and talking to things, and it actually got really close um, to them partnering with DreamWorks SKG. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that um, would have been so Now, good. Howard has become friends with Spielberg throughout his career, um, obviously working with George Lucas, yep. um, all that sort of crew that... Uh, Definitely are, Katzenberg. Yeah, and are associated with this. Cranky Katzenberg. Um, so it becomes really close to them them partnering together and and then in the end they decide to stick with Universal who they've had quite a long career I think yeah. since I think what's the film after Splash they've gone since Cocoon oh no it wasn't Cocoon probably Willow oh yeah. I don't know really? one, I don't know one of those um yeah. actually Gung Ho it was Gung Ho thanks Craig Gung Ho um, so you could imagine behind the scenes while trying to put together films. Howard is having to be involved with business with Grazer to really make sure that they're going to continue having, one, the freedom that they've got to release films in the manner that they want. Also, um, Universal really has gone into bat and financially backed them along along the way. They often put money up for projects before they've even got the rights to them and stuff like that. So uh, you can imagine that's a lot of work. Now, at the same time, and this is a bit sad... um, Ron's mother has been quite ill. Yeah. So um, our, I think her last appearance was as Jim Lovell's mum in Apollo 13. Oh, really? Yeah, that's Ron Howard's mum. Oh, is that Ron Howard's mum? Yes. Oh, my Lord. Is, and so she's been really unwell. And unfortunately, she actually passes away during the post-production of this film. Oh. So you might have noticed at the end of the film, it actually dedicates the film yeah. to her. Uh, it says that she was uh, to Jean, who loved Christmas the most. Um so, again, that's all happening while he's filming a film. So it's like really, it's quite a big 12 months for Ron Howard yeah. without even thinking about a film being made, which is a massive project. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a bit of sad news during all this. Now, the journey of how The Grinch Stole Christmas came to be is a really interesting one. And it's really, what's really interesting in it is that Dr. Seuss, a.k.a. Uh, Theodore, Diesel, um, he actually had a deep fear or uh, mistrust of the Hollywood system. Oh, really? Yeah, so he had been approached for years about getting um, rights to make a film version of his books and he kept turning them down all the way through to he passed in 1991. And it wasn't until 1998 that uh, Giesel's wife actually the options for his books up for sale. Oh, really? So you can imagine that's a, it's a long career. The only real um, piece of work that had had been made was the special How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 1966. Oh. Now, there's an animated special, and I think, um, if I remember rightly, my, my only knowledge of it previous to uh, being an adult was it's played during, I think it's played during Home Alone. He's like watching it at one point, and that's when he turns it over to be the oh really um, the keep the change you filthy animal. I um, didn't really know much. Once again, talking about cultures, uh, Doctor Seuss was never on my. Well, so yeah, 
neither here. Like, really, for Australian culture, I think Dr. Seuss has really sort of started to become a part of Australian culture in the uh, last 10, 15 years. Um, but it was a 26-minute long animated special for Christmas. It was actually animated by Chuck Jones, the oh, Looney Tunes really? legend. Um and if I remember rightly, it was Boris Karloff. Bar- Boris Karloff was is the voice of the Grinch. Oh, really? Um, now, Gisela actually oversaw production and was involved in writing the song, which is later in the the Jim Carrey film. Um, he, there's that scene, you're a, you're a bad man, Mr. Grinch, and he's like singing the song. Yeah. That's the original song. Oh, is it? Redone. Yeah, so ah. that played a big part in this. So basically you can imagine... A book, which generally Dr. Seuss books go for about 20 pages. Yeah. The animated film goes for 26 minutes. So then to get it to a what is a 70, 80 minute long film. Actually, it's 104 minutes, if I remember right. um, It's quite a lot. So in 1998, Audrey Giesel's wife writes a letter and sends it out to Hollywood Studios, advising that she is going to release the rights of his books. Yeah. Now, there are very strong stipulations in this letter from Ooh, the get-go awesome, on Awesome, her. awesome, awesome. So, the letter that, she, money. that she wrote, <laughs> it says that she's going to sell the rights to the books, um, and that when it comes to the Grinch, we're just going to talk about the Grinch, but they would only look at... Um, Oh, for any of the offers. So essentially they were doing, you had to pitch yep. to the family what your vision of a film version of a book was. Yep. You needed to have a minimum of $3 million that you could commit on the spot Oh, to the project. Yep. So the rights were essentially a starting bid of $3 million and then a bidding war slash auction would happen Good. after she's approved your pitch. Oh. So you had to... Good it, honor, man, because a lot of these things just development hell. Yeah, not, yeah. Not and so the stipulation in the letter was that they would not consider a director who hadn't earned at least $1 million from their previous picture. <laughs> so they wanted a quality director. And any actor submitted, and now we're going to talk about The Grinch, but any actor submitted for The Grinch must be comparable, uh, of a comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. Wow. <laughs> Damn. So what then happens is an auction, a bidding sort of pitching auction. Yeah takes place for the Grinch. Awesome. Obviously, all his other work was up for grabs as well. Um, so A lot of blowjobs in the goosel house. <laughs> oh, whoa. Um, Do you want the Grinch? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, There's oh, a walket in my pocket. <laughs> oh, gosh, Greg. So, Tom Shadiak um, pitches for the family. Yep. Now, for those who don't know what he's directed, his previous work... Very Jim Carrey focused. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Great movie. Liar Liar. Great movie. Bruce Almighty. And Eddie Murphy's The Nutty Professor. Man, this good. This dude's funny. He's a comedy director. <laughs> so you can imagine there was a lighthearted uh, nature. The Farrelly brothers also pitched. 
Oh, did they? So for those who don't know them, they've worked with Jim Carrey as well on a few films, Dumb and Dumber, Me, Myself and Irene. Uh, that would have been gross. There's something about Mary as well. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, the Farrelly brothers, when they they later separate from working together as co-directors, mm-hmm. Peter Farrelly goes on and wins an Oscar yeah. for Green, uh, Book. Green Book. So he started, He had, an, I, I believe he had a drive for some more deeper content uh, <laughs> back then. Um, now, Gary Ross... Oh, who really? I love. I know you He do. actually went and pitched on behalf of Brian Grazer. Oh, wow. As the director. Um, so he worked on Pleasantville. Um, I love Pleasantville. He was actually coming off the back of Pleasantville, so that had been released two years earlier. Uh, or a year, actually that year, Pleasantville's released, and he would go on to make The Hunger Games. Um, also, Tim Burton had pitched an Fuck, idea as well. Awesome. Yeah. Th- this is Fuck, right up been, Tim Burton's alley, isn't it? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! I squeezed the job. That would be oh. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh isn't man, it? I could just just a moment with just Danny Elfman's to, music. Just give me a moment. Oh, oh, that, oh man, <laughs> man, I can't. Yeah, oh no, I'm sorry. So I'm gonna be lost on that for days. Also, days. part of those pitches, um, people had approached actors to make sure that they were part of their pitch process. So like we have, so the real, the three actors that had been really um, named for it, Jim Carrey's obviously involved in a few pitches right now. He's very passionate about the project, wants to play the Grinch very much. Um, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was yeah. part of someone's yep, yep. pitches. Man, yeah, and yeah. post Nutty Professor, he is monstrous. Yeah, man. Oh, he could have done it. He's he could have done. He's got. The he act- would have had a great time doing it too. Oh, exactly. He would have been hilarious. Um, he would have been like five or six characters in the crowd uh, as well. Definitely. I think he would have been the mayor as well. Oh, yeah, man. It would have been so. Possibly good. even would have been the girl. <laughs> <laughs> At least the dog's voice. The dog, yeah, like yeah, an inner yeah. monologue. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. Jack Nicholson was part of some projects as well. Yeah. So I don't think Nicholson just would have been, oh, I don't know, Nicholson with Howard? I think Nicholson in an animated film. Yep. <laughs> would have been yeah. Awesome. I couldn't see him getting all suited up. Yeah, I think it needed to be a very physical role. And we will talk about how physical this role oh, is. Yeah. Um, so Grazer's pitch with Gary Ross actually is a failure and it gets turned down by Giesel's family. Oh, wow. Uh, Grazer was so bummed out that he actually started begging them to give him a second chance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's crazy. Um, and when that was approved for him to have a second chance was when he approached Ron Howard. Ah. Now, at the time, Ron Howard was actually had no intention of being a part of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, even though he was a big fan of the animated special. Yeah. Um, he was actually working on a project uh, called The Sea Wolf. And it's based upon a, a 1904 novel by Jack London. Ooh. And it's essentially about a, a literary critic who is in an ocean collision. Yeah. And is rescued by a rough sort of um, captain with no values. Yeah. And so his name is Wolf Larson. And so Howard was in the middle of prepping to make that his next film. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Very interesting as well that he's prepping an ocean film. Because yeah. later we go down and he makes In the Heart of the Sea. Ah. So I think it's very interesting to mm. sort of do that. So Grazer calls Howard and says, listen, I think this would be a great film. I've got a second chance. We need to get it. Can you put together a pitch on what you would do? And would you fly over the other side of the country 
to have a pitch meeting tomorrow. Like, let's make it happen ASAP. Uh, and so Howard goes, all right, I think I can do this. Right. I've got some ideas. All right, Brian, I love you. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you haven't sold me up the creek yet. Uh, yeah. So he we'll basically puts the sea wolf to the side yep. and starts developing this pitch to, to deliver. Doesn't happen, obviously, tomorrow. Happens soon, not not long after. Now, Howard had actually, and this was one that I was like, oh, my goodness. Howard had actually worked developing a project with Jim Carrey previously that had fallen apart. Oh. And in 1997, Jim Carrey was attached to the secret life of Walter Mitty. Now, I don't oh. know if you remember that, I Craig, remember that. But I did when I read it too. It was like a beautiful memory zing. Yeah. And Ron Howard was hoping to direct it. Oh, really? Yes. Now, that I would love. Because I yeah. actually quite enjoy the Ben Stiller version. Uh, the Ben Stiller versions are very... I, I don't even think it's the same storyline. No. And I, think, the, the, I think they've just relied on brand name. Yeah, it's a different yeah. movie that they've ported across. Good movie. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Damn good movie. Loved it. It's just not... It's not that film that you No. Know. And you can imagine Howard doing well with the the original had animated moments. In oh it yeah, and Danny Kaye. Like he was probably if he if he was um if it was made during his time, Danny Kaye would be the Grinch. Yes. Perfect. Mm. Perfect, Craig. So they'd work together. So then when Howard comes time to pitch to the Geesel family, he's got Carrie's on board to join with his one. <laughs> so he, he pitches his idea. Um, also has Jim Carrey in the room perform his character of the Grinch. Oh, awesome. Um, and it was the thing that really, one, um, Audrey loved Howard's fresh take. So yeah. his take was, you know, what was it that made him so cranky? Yeah. Um, why does the dog like him so much? Yeah. You know, that sort of approach. And she thought that was a really fresh take because essentially... Uh, most people were just going to make a bigger version of the cartoon. Oh, okay. So she loved that. Also loved that Jim Carrey uh, supposedly performed with zero makeup on, and she loved the fact that he transformed himself physically into the Grinch without any makeup at all. Oh, so she could just see the character. So they win the the rights for $5 million. Oh, boy. <laughs> Part of the deal, she is a shrewd businesswoman. Oh, man, this woman's awesome. Uh, I'm so loving her. Part of the deal is that the family would receive 4% of the box office gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this girl's good. She's fucking good. 50% of the merchandise and music sales. Oh, she's heaps good. And 70% of the book tie-ins. Oh, really? Oh, as they should. Yeah. So all that comes together. And they've won the right. So in September, um, September 16, 1998, it's officially announced that uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is being directed by Ron Howard starring Jim Carrey. Now, Universal and Imagine Entertainment also bought the, the rights to All the Places You Go at the same time. What's that? It's another book sort of about traveling and having adventures. Is this a Dr. Seuss? Yeah, it's a Dr. Seuss book. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so uh, it's one that my family reads to their kids all the time. It's oh, just cool. about dreaming big and going on adventures. Oh, it's almost cool. like Dr. Seuss's Up. Ah, you know, Pixar's okay, up. superb. Um, and then later they, they would buy the rights off the back of how well they were doing with the Grinch to the Cat in the Hat. 
I love with Mike Myers. I, I, I know you do. I know you do. So Howard and Grazer then bring on Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman to write the play. Now, Seaman. <laughs> I knew you'd giggle. <laughs> um, yeah, like say tip mouse. Now, we've actually talked about these guys on the podcast before. I talk about Seaman all the time. <laughs> you do. Watch out, Brooke! <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google it. Um, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you had a petting zoo at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, Doesn't now, anybody knock? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about dreaming of Susan Boyle again. Um, so they actually wrote Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Really? Yeah. So they oh, come awesome. on board. They also had written Doc Hollywood. They go on to write Doc Hollywood later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so before they could actually finalize the script, they were asked to provide eight draft revisions by the Geisel family. Oh. So she actually, as part of her ad the deal, is that Audrey Geisel had veto power on the script. Wow. Man, this this chick is like, it's like that, what's that Mary Poppins film? Uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it totally is, Craig. Um, so she actually objected to quite a few jokes that they'd written into the script. Huh? Um, and this is really interesting because when I think about the film that we get, yeah. I can't imagine what was in this film that got cut out. I know, exactly, exactly. So she got them to remove some jokes. One of them was that there was a family called the Hoosteins and they talked about them being a family that don't have a Christmas tree or give presents on Christmas, essentially <laughs> making fun of a Jewish family. <laughs> Horrible, right? Oh uh, <laughs> um, she asked them to remove a lot of sexual innuendo out of the film. But she kept the orgy sequence in there. Orgy sequence? Like, oh, the key party. The key party. Yeah. Well, and even like, uh, I was going to go there later, but there's the moment where he starts up the sleigh for the first time and it's vibrating and he's like, this feels good. Uh, I was like, oh my God, they left him in a tree all night because they were banging. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, Craig. That's horrible. No, no, isn't it horrible, the key sequence? Because like, I really, I, are they throwing all the keys in a bowl here? I've, I actually, a, a Peruvian orgy. Oh my word! It's no wonder their noses were all out of oh, whack. I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it gives them closer access to the ass. Oh, oh whoa! <laughs> um, at one point, they were also going to have in the Grinch's cave a cat in the hat toy on a shelf, and she was just like, "Do not put that in there." Oh. So they get finally to a final draft. Yeah. Now. Pre-production starts and they come to this decision that they have to make on is it going to be practical sets or are they going to shoot on a green screen to ah. then bring uh, a digital world to life. And we've got to remember at this time we're starting to get into uh, George Lucas has just released the first Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Episode 1 that is, mm -hmm. and a lot of that was really bringing digital technology to the forefront. Yeah. You know, that green and blue screen technology was becoming big. So Howard has to make the decision on are they going to do it practically or do it digitally. They settle on practical. I'm glad they did. Oh, yeah. It's The sets are amazing in They're this film. They're amazing. Uh, so much detail. So they begin shooting September 1999, and the shoot lasts for four months. Ooh. That's a big shoot. Ow. Yeah, I know. Um, Poor Jim. Yeah. He's in almost well, every scene. Let's talk about Jim now, because during it, he wore a suit which was yak hair Ugh. that had been dyed green and sewn into a spandex suit, so he would get into this spandex suit uh. every day. Um, 
He's not and, much of a man to begin with. And also would undergo the process of putting makeup, very thick uh, contact lenses, pointing at my eyes. Uh, so the whole process took about two and a half hours every day to get in the costume and took an hour to remove. So you can imagine how hot that is. And oh, you remember how shitty you'd be at the end of the day. Well, I'm glad you said that because... Jim Carrey actually became really frustrated after about two weeks of shooting. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh. And at one point, kicked a hole in the wall of his trailer. Now, we've we've also got to talk, Jim Carrey at this point is a very, he's embracing method acting. Yeah. He has done uh, The Truman Show, which was quite big. Yep. He's also gone on to do Man on the Moon. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, so he's really become quite method. Yeah. So I read this and people are talking about it as if he's a bit of an a-hole, but I actually think that he's probably been quite method in this process and acting like the Grinch. Man, I also think that if people who are complaining about that, look, people to right now today are complaining about wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> now, this guy's wearing full plastic, full plastic on his head. Yes. Has to sit in a chair. Yes. For f- two hours and then an hour to finish. So that's not including all going through all the day, all through the work. Yep. You know, um, I don't know how he's pissing. I don't know Who how knows? he's doing any of that, how sweaty and hot it would be. Yeah, you would lose so much weight Man, in it, you would wouldn't you? Just, there'd be times you would just be frustrated. Yeah. Like, and then a simple mistake, which would go on, like would happen on a day, which would mean you'd be in a costume for longer. Yeah. I would kick the fuck out of a door. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Like I would well, kick my foot. It's worse than a kick in the door, Craig. Oh. Because he actually um, gets to the point where he's so upset about and frustrated by it that he would sometimes disappear and they, in one one two-week period, only were able to shoot for three days. Yeah. And sometimes he would just disappear mid-shooting and come back and he just ripped apart his costume, like ripped it off. And then they'd have to start the process all over again <laughs> to film. So it actually gets to this point where he starts taking out his frustration on his makeup artist that's doing this every day. And it gets to the point where it actually needed a bit of mediation between Kerry, Rick Baker, and the makeup artist, uh, who is Kazuhiro Tsuji. Tsuji. Uh, uh, I probably didn't say that right, but apologies if you're listening. So We know you They bury the hatchet. Jim Carrey says, I'll control my anger so we can get on. Now, I do have to say, let's spare a thought for Jim Carrey. He spent 92 days in full makeup. Yeah. In this shoot. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean you can be an asshole, but it's, I don't condone it, but I understand it. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And so um, during this time, Ron Howard actually showed up in full makeup. He got the makeup guys to do the same process to him. Yep. And I'll put the photo up on our social media so that people can see it. But Ron Howard and Cheryl turned up, his Ron Howard's wife, as the Grinch and her as a Whovian. Um, so that he could just so show Jim Carrey he understands how much effort he's going yeah. to, um, really to bring a bit of solidarity to everything. And he actually spent the entire day in the costume, sh- like shooting it. So he was directing as the Grinch the whole time. And I, I like to think that that little moment, moment where um, the Grinch puts on a cap and directs the dog. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love to think that that came from seeing Ron Howard probably with a cap on because he loves to wear his cap yeah. and 
thinking, oh, wouldn't this be funny if I pretend I'm a director in this? <laughs> um, so they finished filming and the film's actually released November 17, 2000. And despite generally negative reviews, mm. it was a success. Oh, it's it's huge for kids, man. It took $345 million. Wow. Has quite a large budget. It's a $125 million budget. Yeah. So this is one of Howard's largest budgets. But it went well, on. He to puts all that on the screen. Oh, man. you can see it all. Yeah. You know, it's 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 even we'll get there a bit later, but the costume of the Grinch is just and the the makeup of all the Hoovians. Yeah, man. It looks so real. They look fantastic. Don't they? Oh, seriously, fantastic. The Blu-ray transfer too, if you have a Blu-ray player, people. Watch it in high definition. It is glorious, and and all of them just they they look great. Yes, even a couple of Hoovians who are give it Hoovian too. <laughs> <laughs> is that bad? Is that bad that I bring a Hoovian? Well, it's weird because some of them look really Hoovian, and, and others then some of don't. Them are just like yeah, like I, Evie asked a good question at one point, which was, um, why doesn't the little girl have a funny nose? Oh, he says it. He, oh, does yeah, he? Yeah, the mayor says it. Look at him. Look at her. She hasn't even grown into her nose yet. Oh, so it's like a puberty thing. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So the film gets nominated. Because I thought that too. It's weird, She's an incredibly isn't it? cute girl, isn't she? she? She goes on to be a pop star. Oh, really? Taylor really? Momsen. Oh, really? Don't yeah. know. So she's a... Yeah, she's a singer. Um, nominated for three Oscars. Oh, did it? Won one for oh, Best Makeup. Yeah, it'd have to. Um, but what's really interesting, on top of its box office success, it gets released a year later on home video and is actually the second highest um, sales for the year in home video on VHS and DVD. Oh, wow. What's number one? Shrek. Yeah, okay. It sold 16.9 million copies and took $296 million Man. in home sales. That's huge. Massive. Man, that's fantastic! But you can see it, man. Everyone, every kid, Chris, some a good Christmas movie, man, can keep you set for life. Hundred because every year, Polar it Express goes through again. Yeah, exactly. That's Polar a big Express thing in our it. family now. The Polar Express, Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone, Die Hard, Elf. Yeah, oh, Elf. Yes, definitely Elf. We definitely. literally watch it every day. It's part of our advent calendar. My my son says that this every Christmas. Sorry, not every. My day. son said now he wants to watch um that Kurt Russell one the. Christmas oh, Chronicles. we watched it. It was good. Yeah, and he wants to watch it again this year. So good. Yeah, I know. It was I, fun. It was. Kurt Russell. Coolest coolest Santa in the world. <laughs> so, like we said, budget, it was $123 million. Box office, $345 million. Good Lord. Now, Craig, do you want to hear what was released in 2000? Bring it on! So good. Let's There's a few films on. we've talked about in 2000. We'll get there in a moment. Sure. The number one <laughs> film for 2000. Mission Impossible 2. Which one's that? The Australian one, ah, directed by yes. John Woo. John Woo. John Woo. Dun, 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 dun. Number two film, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Oh, really? We're going to be talking Rusty next week, Oh, Craig. yeah, man. Love good old Rusty. Heck this yes. This is his peak, peak Rusty time. It is peak Rusty time. I think if I remember rightly, he came off the back of 99 The Insider. Yeah, probably. Um, really firing. The number three film we've talked about on this podcast, Tom Hanks in Castaway. Oh, still love that film, man. Yes, I've got to go watch it again, man. I've I had like it. a little Zemeckis itch lately. Yeah, same. Uh, just to watch a few. Uh, a lot of his films are sort of reaching that 
25, 20 year mark. I saw it, it was like the 20th anniversary of What Lies Beneath. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh man, maybe I should revisit a few of these here and there. Same. I've got a little Zemeckis siege. Castaway. Great season. It the is. Zemeckis yeah, season is a great yeah, season. It. Check it out. Uh, number four, What Women Want. Oh, really? Mel Gibson. Yeah, Helen Hunt. Charming. Helen Hunt's back. She's What's in she a, in? Oh, she's in a... Um, I just saw her in a TV show. Yeah, she basically... I can't remember what it is now. She's in a new TV show, yeah. I don't know if it's... An, I think it might be a Netflix show. Okay, I'll look mm. into it. Thanks, Craig. No Number five, Disney's Dinosaur. Hmm. Every time we talk the year 2000, you go, I can't remember it. And then you go home and then next week you'll go, oh, I, I remember, remember it. it. I do I remember looked it. it up. It's Carl Urban. Um, Carl Urban, is it? Yeah, John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah, he's the annoying monkey. Is Carl Urban the... Um, no, Carl Urban's the, one of the... The dinosaurs. So at the start, it from memory, if this is the right one, it starts with... I know, I'm thinking something totally different. You're not thinking we're back. No. Like some cheesy cartoon. No, no, no. If it's a This is the CG animated one that essentially is the world's ending. Yeah. And these Brontosauruses try to is survive. Are you thinking about Land Before Time? No, no, no. It's like it's I'm almost thinking about like, one where like Carl Urban talks about like he's a he's at it's a, it's live action at the start. And then Ooh. John Leguizamo plays um at first he's a bird. He's a smart aleck bird. Oh. And then um, it goes it back in time and then it's about two brothers and then... Um, Definitely not Dinosaur Creek. I'm sure it's Dinosaur. It is not Dinosaur. No John Leguizamo in there. The uh, biggest name in the cast was Hayden Panettiere. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Juliana Margulis is in there. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, no, I am what are you talking way, about? Way, way. I'm looking up Carl Urban right way now to find off. out what it is. I'm very, very way off. You need to quit your jibber jabber, Craig. Oh yeah, man. Because yeah, because in the film it's two brothers, and then one of, and then their dad gets killed, and then the brother becomes head of the. Um, he he voiced an uncle in Walking with Dinosaurs 3D. Walking with dinosaurs. Maybe that's it, <laughs> Craig. Shit. I'm not seeing anything here. Uh, Might be walking with dinosaurs. Yeah, sorry, man. That's the closest thing to a Maybe dinosaur I... project he's done. Yeah, I think it is walking with dinosaurs. Did Very you know easy. Carl Urban made an appearance in the White Fang TV series? Oh, really? He'd be a good <laughs> White Fang. Yeah, yeah. So, number sorry, six, guys. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Hey! Now, the number seven film, Meet the Parents. Ah, What a good film. What a good oh. film. It hurts me. Why? I just don't like those comedies where everything goes wrong. Oh, yeah, never do I. And I think they got their, hit their stride better in the sequels because you knew the characters and the family dynamic was uh, better. true. As opposed to the first one just being all awkward this and This is when Stiller, though, was like bringing awkward in. He was, I mean? wasn't like, he? And you're just like, oh, man, this is so awkward. It's hilarious. Something about Mary But it was happened. also like um, around about the time where... De Niro started to turn more yes. into comedies. Is this like the he analyze did analyze this, this analyze that? Yeah, and then, um, meet the fuckers and blah blah. I tell you what, I love De Niro in so underrated in Stardust. 
Oh, I love as the cross-dressing captain. Love Starter. Oh man! But even if you want to go back further to comedies, like he was in a good one called Midnight Run with Charles Grodin. I've never seen so it. So good, man. So I have good. Check it out. I think obviously he plays the straight. This you know, but yeah, hates funny show. Post backdraft, I've sort of gone. Oh, there's a whole season of De Niro's career that I probably I've hit like Taxi Driver. Yeah, and then fast forwarded post like Taxi Driver Godfather. He's, you know, but he's got such a huge Doesn't he what? He's fighting with he's fighting Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke I think can, oh, Look I felt terrible Because I read Mickey Rourke's post Where he's like Trying to start beef with Start beef with De Niro De Niro's just straight shooting And then Mickey <laughs> Rourke's Taking offence to it But there are so many Spelling mistakes in it That I'm like In Mickey Rourke's post <laughs> Mickey Rock's just punch drunk, man. He has been for years. I'm just like, I just feel bad. And I'm like, don't encourage him, guys. It's almost like the Kanye West stuff going on at the moment. Oh, don't encourage Kanye. him, guys. He's not doing well. I don't think Kanye's doing well. No, Kanye's I, not doing well. I honestly think well. he's, he's bipolar kicking in. Someone. someone needs to just take him on a peaceful holiday. Oh, man, him. someone needs to just hold him down and give him some medication and you'll be right. Yeah. Because he's on that level. You could just see it in some of the shit that he's saying. Yeah, he's and, and it always makes you think about these weird relationships and stuff like like how weird a celebrity relationship must be. Like they talk like they don't talk to each other like every day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know so what, true. You know what I mean. Like, and you go, fuck, you don't talk to your wife today. You know, no, no, yeah. Hey, this is yay. You know, where's the kids and shit like that. You don't know where the fuck your kids are. You know, and stuff like and that. And also, why do you have to say who it is? Yeah, wouldn't your number be in the phone? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you guys are trying to ruin this, da 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 da. I'm like, how are you not keeping constant contact? How are you not like texting each other? Hey, where are you? Oh, I'm here at the shops. Just <laughs> a, you know, just celebrity or shit. Just about to take the stage, feeling a bit nervous. Yeah, feeling a bit nervous. Send me some love. Love you, doll. Yeah, that's right. Love yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, Craig. It makes no sense at all. Oh, it is. It's weird. Just yeah, relationships, man. The celebrity they're, relationships are weird. They're stormy, aren't they? Craig? I know exactly. And they're saying like they might break up now and all that shit. And you just like yeah. really so stormy. Speaking of stormy, Ooh. number eight, the perfect storm. Do you oh, like that segue? I boom. set you up. Boom! <laughs> I set you up. Boom, baby. <laughs> uh, Who's perfect storm? George Clooney. Oh, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. That's where Wahlberg hurt his ear. And I think did... Oh, was no. it was Clooney. No, Clooney hurt his back in Syriana. Yeah, Wahlberg nearly... He's Nil- deaf. Cause oh, really? Drowned. Yeah, he nearly drowned or something. That oh, legit. Damage from the water, yeah. So Wolfgang Peterson? <laughs> or Roland I can't Emery. watch it because those... Um, I have fear of drowning, so seeing those... Oh. Seeing big waves just makes me just squeal a little I bit. I remember when that... The first trailer came out for that because it really was one of those things where that moment where CG was starting to become real. Yeah. And you're like, oh, gosh, I can't believe it looks so good. Yeah, like, exactly. It was, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Uh, number nine, X-Men. Oh, good film. Yeah. Loved it. Good film. It's been really interesting. There's been a lot of press around the original X-Men recently and talking about has it dated well or has it not. Uh, which has led me to sort of go, oh, maybe I need to revisit. I did watch X-Men Dark Phoenix the other day. Oh, did you? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, Craig, you don't need to. It's just sad for the people who are doing well. Yeah. You know, like, Fassbender is good in it, mm. as he always is. But does that make it a good movie? Nope. Oh, that's a shame, man. It's, that's a shame. It's like, 
Imagine having a really... A few people have tried to repair a painting. Have yeah. you seen those people who have tried to restore paintings oh, and they do the terrible hilarious. ones? <laughs> they are, hilarious. Those restoration. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, that's the most horrible thing. There's one guy that was the most horrible oh, thing I've ever seen. There was one that looked like someone tried to draw a stick figure face on it after they realised they ruined it. But it's almost like I picture the X-Men franchise as that. Mm. They had a really nice painting that got built upon and became... Almost a masterpiece. X-Men 2 is a great film. Like one of yeah. the best comic book films. Three, someone tried to come in and put their flair on it. Wasn't that good. Yeah. First Class happens. The reboot was beautiful. Amazing film. Second one was great too. Then we start getting other people coming in and they're just trying to fix this up. And then in the end, Paul Simon Kinsberg, who directs Dark Phoenix, yeah. is just trying to put the pieces of like, is it eight films? Something like that. Something like that. So you put the pieces of like seven broken films together to make this one cohesive thing that rounds it all out. No, it does round it out? Well, I think he's trying to round it out. It's not set up like previous ones have. Mm. Um, And in it, they're also tackling what's considered the best storyline for X-Men out of all the comics. So there's a wealth of stuff there, but you have to pigeonhole this classic story in with the canon that's been created in these messy films. Yeah. And it's just, it just doesn't hit. Oh, it's a messy, it's a messy mishmash, which yep. is a shame. But hey, look, it's, they're still releasing the New Mutants. Oh, it, are they? They're doing a panel. I saw the new trailer. At Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, I, let's just take a little moment, Craig, if we can. Um, let's do it. Because I think there's something really interesting that's happened currently so we are still if you're listening years in the future hello what time is this hello we're still in the middle of covid lockdowns happening left right and center australia's Mm -hmm. got a second wave hit yep Um, i had a covid test the other day craig had a covid test we almost didn't record this week i know all good all good we're sweet beautiful Um, beautiful work by the health health organization i know i go drive in do you go to the uni yep yeah, four 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 pile line up. Go in, bang, shove something in my nose, something something in my throat. Yeah, and then I get a text message afterwards. Yeah, so good. You are now negative. So oh, thank good. you, thank you. Well, we're very grateful, Craig. I'm very grateful. But the the current climate globally has meant that we've this week had announced that Christopher Nolan's Tenet has been indefinitely delayed. Yeah, it's and, pulled from the release schedule. And then they're thinking different ways to distribute it now. Yeah, and so this raises a really interesting thing. Tenant was the last film that was holding on. It was almost like the yeah. um the the cornerstone that everything was sitting upon. Cuz Nolan is huge. Yes. It, he probably for a modern director, he's probably one of the most powerful at the moment. But Hollywood. he's also huge on on cinema experience. Yes. And so we have reached this point now where studios are going to they're saying most films won't be released now until 2021. Yep. Um, a real big kick in the testicles for someone who loves Bond and knows that there's a Bond film out there. Um, now, little tangent. Imagine we were 10 years ago yep. in the current climate. We're talking that time. Remember when Wolverine leaked? And you could, and it was a constant thing yeah. that would happen is a week or two before the film was released, suddenly a full version of the film was out yeah, online. Man, people were leaking crazy. And just imagine if 
what's happening now was happening 10 years ago, there would be so many films just ruined by this. There's so many lockdowns now. They're so strong in there. Um, they're so strong. Protecting it all. It. Oh, man. You That's crazy. So we're in this point where we may not have new films per se in cinemas for a very long time. For Australian viewers, um, the reality is is that studios are not going to release a film like Tenant, Bond, any of those big blockbuster movies. They're not going to release any of those films in Australia and have them be spoilt for North American audiences where their money is. Yeah, exactly. So we have cinemas open at the moment. They're showing classics. Yeah, We're actually going to the drive-in this weekend. It's going to be fun. Um, Oh, cool. We're we're like, how do we go with a nine-week-old to the movies and go movie night was our little date night? How do we do date night with a baby? Why not go to the drive-in? Exactly. We don't have to leave the car. He can cry his little lungs out if he wants. Yeah. Or just sleep in our arms. So we're going to the drive Brooke used to work there. Oh, did she? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> we're going to see the uh, personal life of David Copperfield. That'll it be good, charming. man. That'll look heaves. Yeah, good. it looks like, really charming. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting right now is we're in this season where what do studios do? Yeah. Do they try... Now, for Universal Studios... They released um, Trolls World Tour on VOD. Yep. In North America only. Yep. Still hasn't been released in Australia. I could buy it on Blu-ray if I want to from the US and still see it. Uh, Might actually do that actually tonight thinking about it. Uh, But they made more money from the home rental market in North America than the first Trolls movie made in cinemas. Oh, really? Yes. So on that basis, Universal is looking at a distribution model where they release video-on-demand rentals. So for 48 hours, you pay $20 and you can rent it for two days. That's what I do. Um, And I'm more than happy to pay $20, which is the cost of two movie tickets in Australia, to rent a movie that I wouldn't get to see because cinemas are locked down. Um, Look, and I think they've changed that in the past, not long, in the past 12 months. They've started to bring a lot more out um, where, yep. where internationally you have an option. Yes. So, yeah, I'm more than willing to pay for it. It's interesting, though, because I think the only way that it works, Craig, is if globally it becomes a thing. It has to happen at the same time. You can't release Tenant in the States and then have other markets miss out. Yeah, exactly. Um Because what just blows my mind, even about Trolls, and I saw a friend of mine put a post up on Facebook that they were watching it, Trolls World Tour. And I was like, how? How are they watching it? I've tried very hard to find it, like, legally. Yeah. And it dawned on me, oh, that's right, people still pirate movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they're still dumb enough to put it on social media. Yeah, put a photo of it up on social media. Um. So Going back to the guy with Fox. <laughs> yes, that's right, with the Wolverine release. What an idiot. Um, so what I'm sort of getting at here, Craig, is like we are in a moment where we may not get to go watch Tenet in cinemas. No, no, that'd be heartbreaking. We may not get to watch a new Bond film. Even, I know they're not big films for you, but like a Fast and the Furious film is a cinema experience. But that's a cinema film. Yeah. That's a cinematic film. See, that's the thing. I... I I only ever seen one of those movies in cinema. Yeah, and but um, yeah, it's you know it's where it's meant to be. It's meant yes. it's meant to be a cinema. It's meant totally. To be so I'm really intrigued because for cinema lovers like ourselves, yeah, we are in a funny position where 
home has to become the cinema. And I really, I really hope that studios start looking at how they can do it so globally everyone has access to a movie. Yeah, true. Because I think what will end up happening is people will just continue pirating. Yeah. I'd love to see figures if piracy is lifted during COVID. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, and I hope people do stop piracy. Yeah. There's always going to be piracy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, uh, there's always going to be people who, um, the who want a shortcut on it. Yes. My suggestion is just don't. Yeah, seriously, don't. don't look. Look, everyone's everyone's probably done it in one way, shape, or form, but just don't. Yeah, it's not worth it, is it? No, just go. Just, there's so many streaming options yeah. out there, man. Christ. Even for rentals, if you TV series, man, it's eight dollars for a month, and you can just stream. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, find and which look, ones you're after. Let's be honest, people are savvy. Yeah. So I know of people who have like they just run the trials. Yeah. You know, I've watched through that for a month. I saw I'm a guy do it on TV. He said you can get up to six months worth of free trials. Yeah. Because they're like eights, tens, thirties and yeah. all this stuff. So we we did one recently. We wanted to watch a TV series. I'm going to do my binge. Oh, binge is great. Yeah. We pay for binge now. We like it so much. So oh, really? Yeah. Hats off to binge. Good on you, binge. Non-sponsor. Hey, Craig, the number 10 movie for 2000. We've talked about as well. What lies beneath? Oh, yeah. I saw an article on that the other day. Did you? Yeah, they're talking about how good the casting, how the casting oh. made the film was so important to the film. Let's Michelle Pfeiffer like, makes the film. Hello, we like totally said that. For I know we we did that two years ago. Yeah, oh, jeez, get man. it together, catch up, catch up. Yeah, yeah. join the band. Join the band. Join the band. Um, come on, a rotunda tour. Yeah, come on, join the band. Also released, we've talked about it on the podcast as well. The Gift, speaking of great cast. Oh, wow, yeah. Sam Raimi's The Gift. Love what a that. cracker film. I love that film. And I just seriously, just just every time you bring it up now, I'm just so, it just dazzles me. You know, you're just like talking about, oh, I know that guy. He's yes. such a good That's the gift to me, man. He's just like, oh, it just lights me up. It's funny, isn't it? Because reflecting on the Sam Raimi season, sort of like we have this season on Zemeckis, there's moments where I reflect on Raimi's season and I go, oh, man, I wish I could do it again because I think films like A Simple Plan and The Gift would probably be higher than they ended up on our rankings uh, because they're great films. Also release, Chicken Run. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Uh, Vin Diesel's Pitch Black. Was released. I like. I Pitch love Black that is character. A sick, is a Man, sick. I one. love that character. I got to say though, the Riddick film was not great. No, the, but I like the idea of the, the character. The Chronicles of Riddick one was good. The yeah. second one, third one, not. Really I good. like I, the problem with um, his films like that and the Last Witch Hunter. Yeah, is they're so nerdy, and I love the concept of them. <laughs> and I, I do, I really do love the concept of them. It's just that he gets the wrong people to put it into play. Yeah, and they don't base, and they don't, they they bring the wrong things all the time. Like Riddick, man, Riddick's a hard ass man, and I love to see that guy in a proper film. Oh, but it just he needs like a, what the third one should have been was sort of like Stallone did with Rambo. Yeah. You know how he sort of brings it and you go, oh, finally, I'm getting to see the Rambo I wish I always saw. Yeah, yeah. But instead, the the third Riddick movie was like this weird misogynistic take on the character. Yeah, it, it was just really weird. There might be the problem. Well, the problem might really be just he has too much say in it. Very much so. And uh, that was my next question for you is, does he 
look to get yes men in as directors. Vin Diesel's always been a hard person supposedly to work with. Yeah. Always been a hard person to work yep. with. Yeah. Supposedly caused a lot of drama in Sydney over the pitch black um premiere, premiere in Melbourne. Well, do you remember when we went to the Fast and Furious premiere? The Fast oh. Four? Oh, that's right. When they never showed up. They never showed off. Because yeah. he and Paul Walker went out partying. <laughs> that's understandable, man. Sydney. They're in Sydney. Yeah, you know, hey, yeah. here's a great film that was released in 2000. Danny Boyle's The Beach. Oh. Great. Tilda Swinton. Man, Tilda Swinton, yeah. Man, and DiCaprio just being fucking super awesome. Well, it's. I think this was his maturing film. Yeah. You know, there's like that stepping stone film where they go from being poster stars. But that's where that's where they shocked everyone. Because yes. everyone thought it was going to be a DiCaprio preview. Yes. And, it, and they it. show it in a... The, I remember the trailers, it seemed, you know, because they played all the... Yes. Um, they played Moby. Moby. It was Moby. Yes, it was Moby. And the, they were kissing in the water yep. and stuff like that. Oh, you watched the film. It was different as shit. It awesome. Was, it was amazing. It was the mature... They were, they were also, like, it's Alex Garland who wrote it. Now, Alex yeah. Garland goes on and does Ex Machina. Oh, um, oh, he's God. got... I'm really keen to see his devs TV show. Yeah, which is everyone says it's meant to be awesome. Um, I think Alex Garland is just a director that's one to watch. I think he's just one of those people who are just going to just... He's that guy you he see, is. man. He's got brains. He, he's he's creative. And, and he's just going to rebuild something. Do you know what's crazy? At one point, he was going to direct the Halo series. Oh, fuck. Write and direct it. Fuck. I oh, know. He would have done great. Good actor who they got to him, too. Oh, he is a good actor. Mm. Oh, good choice. American Gods, man. He's good. Um, also He's released, good. Final Destination. Love it. Devon Thawa. Devon Thawa. It's very funny. It, I follow Thawa. him on Twitter. He's quite funny. Is he? Yeah, he's really comical. Oh, Makes Thawa's lots of jokes, humor. self-depreciating jokes about him being a father. Like oh, really? So, like, his kid's not realizing he was someone. Yeah, <laughs> realized. I watched a beautiful video the other day of The Rock. Oh, I watched it too. Singing, singing a Moana thing. And gets, yeah, yeah. She goes, nah. <laughs> and his daughter doesn't believe that he's uh, Maui. Man. So and seriously, good. one of his muscles is bigger than his daughter. It's crazy. I know. Isn't it? it ridiculous? But do you know what's funny is when you see him in a show like, have you ever seen Southland Tales? No. Oh, you got to give it a go. It's oh, Richard it Kelly. Weird? It's Richard Kelly weird, wasn't it? It was really weird for the time, but looking back now, it's a great film. Okay, cool. You got to check it. Uh, but he looks tiny in it. <laughs> Oh really? Because <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, when he was wrestling, he was big, but he wasn't like, I don't know, like a crazy action figure big. Oh man, he's friggin' gigantic. <laughs> he's just a monster. Hey, here's one I put on the list for you, Craig. Oh good. Tarsum Singh, the Cell. Oh, did you, you see me and Jason film. were talking about yeah, that? Yeah, you week. and JK <laughs> were having a good froth on that movie. Love it, love it. Just visually, it's a just a fantastic oh, film. Vincent, D'Onofrio. I like the fall better. Was as as I spoke to um, JK yes. in the comments, but the cell man is what first got me onto Tarsum Singh. Yeah, guy gets lost in the in in actual plot lines, so he's not really. You know, Mortals is beautiful. Yeah, hate the film. Yes, um, it's the same with the Snow White one, but oh, I've not seen his Snow White. Oh, it, it came out at the same time as um Huntsman, as the Huntsman, um, but he's just visually just a beautiful dude. Beautiful dude. Very much so. Hey, also release High Fidelity. Yeah. John Cusack. Yeah. See, the, have you watched the Zoe Kravitz? No. no. Zoe Kravitz is in the um, remake of it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's a TV series. Oh. Don't know where, though. HBO Interesting. Max? 
<laughs> so good. Hey, here's one I love. Almost famous. Oh, I love almost famous. Yeah, me too. Who I love talking about that. That there was news about that the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, about um, who was almost in it and all this. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. That's all who? I got for you. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, I can't uh, remember. Also, the rest. also released American Psycho. Oh, hate, hate that film. Do you? Oh, it's a good film. I watched it more in more recent years. As like a grown up, I get it. It's a good film. I it, 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 I was entirely burnt by it because I tried to read the book. Yes, you've told me some pieces of that. Don't book. ever read the book. Man. It was banned, wasn't it? I could see why, but he plays. He still plays with that character, man. Does he? Yeah, like, writes books yeah, based yeah. around that character. So he's like a Ripley, like oh. that whole family, the Bateman family. So um, there was another movie called The Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Um, with James Vanderbeek. Yes. Vanderbeek plays Bateman's younger brother. Oh, I had I no know, idea. I know, neither did I. And then I've seen Rules of Attraction. The the girl from um A Knight's Tales in it. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, and um yeah, so he's Bateman's brother. And then he does then the writer also went on to do um this very meta novel where Bateman's in it. Everyone's in it, you know. It's sort of like um, Stephen King goes meta in some of his Dark Tower, yeah, yeah. Ones, you know. What I mean, where they run into each other. Yeah, their shared universe begins, yeah. and he does he does a lot of that. Wow, I know, isn't it crazy? Yeah, um, I'm just going to pump through the last couple. It's probably a good segue there. Requiem for a Dream was return was yeah. released. Asked, asked. That should have been a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gotten so many people more in a theater. Oh goodness! If it was just. Requiem for a Dream, ass to ass. Uh, here's one I put in for myself just because I love it is U571. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. Oh, I love it the bon so Jovi, much. Right? Bon Jovi gets his head cut off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I saw a photo of him the other day during COVID. Do you know what he's doing? No. The, uh, this lady goes, I don't know who he is, but my friend said he's famous. But this guy comes in and washes up in the um, soul kitchen for us. Oh. Every, yeah, and it's Bon Jovi. Fucking just wash it up. <laughs> so <laughs> Just wash good. it up. Yeah, it just does it um, every weekend. What a good guy. Oh, hey, did, speaking of Bon Jovi, did you know that he actually wrote the music for EdTV? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> I found that out this week. I was like, dang, I wish I knew that last time. You know, time. he runs the Bon Jovi Corporation, and everyone in the band is his employee. Legit. Yes. So everyone in his band is his employee. Wow. And when they're when they're um touring, they make up to twenty million dollars a week. Wow! Well, <laughs> Craig and I went and saw Bon Jovi play um, years ago. Worst seats years in ago. the history of oh, fucking seats. You could not. We were in a stadium, and you could not get further seats away from them. No, like I am. We're literally. not being smart. I said these are literally. We like, were literally like where it goes into. It's a, it was like a oval. Yes, like this shaped oval of a stadium. We were actually at the tip, at the highest part on the tip. It was. Mental, how high? Oh we man, were. seriously! Maybe you'd stand up and you get like, you know, yeah. you get vertigo. <laughs> yeah, you would. And I was like, oh, oh man, I think I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> oh. Oh, living crazy. on a prayer. Well, also released, Craig. Speaking of living on a prayer, Unbreakable. I love it. There's no segue for that. Love so. it. I've got class at home. I'm waiting to watch it. Oh, I nearly bought the three pack, which is like, oh, there's a three um, pack. You can get Unbreakable, Split, and Glass all in the one pack. Man, Split was a hardcore profitable Split. film. Split is like great. It was like $13 million and then it just went crazy. And that's why he's he's on this comeback now because his films are incredibly profitable. Yeah. Well, he makes them on a minimal budget. Yeah, and exactly. Then, um, and 
they're quite engaging films, aren't they? Yeah, I, I want to see Glass because I thought it'd be interesting. I think I started watching it on a plane and was just like, I need to watch this. Even on though a big I, I can't stand Bruce Willis now. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit tarnished, isn't oh, no, he? he is. He just his behaviour. Uh, one last one: Steven Soderbergh uh, with Traffic. Good film. Great film. Good film. Great film. So, Craig, that is the journey to screen for the film. Good journey. Nice journey. 2000 in a nutshell. Yeah, it was a pretty good year. Pretty good year. Not as good as 99. But let's not say, remember, it was also the year of the Olympics. It was. Mm. The year I graduated high school as well. Ooh, well done, So there you. we go. It gives you, gives first, you a little first bit. First year I did a hard drive. I did an ecstasy. Oh, did you? Yeah. At the Olympics? Closing ceremony of the Olympics. There you go. There you go. Good on you, Craig. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Good on you. Never done it again. <laughs> I fucking nearly died. Man. I nearly <laughs> you died. nearly bit your lip off. No, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, you feel really good and you're like hype. You know, with those times you feel the hypest you ever felt and you feel just great and you feel confident. That's what it is. And then suddenly it hits like early morning and you want to go to sleep. Your body's exhausted, but your mind can't go to sleep. So I went late in bed. I remember from six, they call it the come down from six to like midday. And I could feel my heart beating through my chest because my body had fallen asleep, but my mind was still going. I'd laid there. I, I almost asked my dad to take me to the doctors, obviously. <laughs> but how, what was I going to say? I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to say? I'm going to die of a heart attack, Dad. I'm going to die of a heart attack because I'm on ecstasy. No. So, yeah. Worst thing I ever done. <laughs> Worst fucking thing I ever done. I'm glad you never did it again. I Craig. never... No, no. I don't do shit like that Good anymore, for you. man. Fuck. No way. That was the last time I did it. <laughs> oh, because I realised I'm a confident dude without it. So, what the fuck am I paying for pills? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, shit. You've got nothing to prove. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got nothing exactly. to prove, Craig. Just stupid. So, Craig, um, I have no idea what the sort of scale would be in this film of people watching it. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably know of it. Yeah. Jim Carrey was massive at this time. Huge. So I think a lot of people really have an awareness of the film, probably may not have watched it for a long time unless you've got kids. Yep. And it's become one of those Christmas rotation films. Ooh, Christmas rotation films. So just in case people don't know about it, need a little refresher? Let's just take a moment, Craig, and let's just hear about it. Following a series of childhood bullying incidents, a giant green-haired hermit has his life of silence invaded by a cute Christmas-loving child. Thanks to our kindness, he comes to know, longer hate Christmas and learns to love again. It's a live-action take of a Dr. Zeus classic. Let's talk about how the Grinch stole Christmas. So good, Craig. Um... We've got to that point of the episode where we're going to welcome our very special guest. It's not her first rodeo. It's not even her second rodeo. This is her third time around. Oh, wow. What are her other ones that she was in? Uh, well, for those who are listening at home, they're all very excited because we're joined by Evie Reed. Say hello. Hi. Um, Evie's joined us She Polar originally Express. joined us for Polar Express And what was the other film you talked to Evie? The Guardians of Gahul uh, Guardians of Gahul Ooh. Yes, The Legend of the Guardians How's Gahul? Zack Snyder's season seems like A very odd one to join <laughs> Yes, yes But we love having you on Evie So we're glad you're here I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> oh, good, good. good that was good. a bit of a pause there. Good. Mm-hmm. She had to, I just waved a dollar bill at her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we watched The Grinch, didn't we, Evie? Yeah. It was probably about a week ago now we watched it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when was the last time, Evie, that you watched this movie, aside from last week? 
Um, I never watched it aside from last week. It was wow, your first really? time. Oh, wow! You like me? That's right. It was Craig's first time. Yeah, it was my first time too. Um, I'd watched it a few times, but it was not very memorable, obviously. <laughs> um, but what were you expecting then, Evie? What what yeah. did you expect when we? Because we've talked about watching The Grinch for a little while now. Have you seen the the animated one? Yes, the I new have. one. Did you yeah. go with Gigi and watch it? Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah. Carter, Carter just watched it the other day. Oh, oh really? Yeah, Carter and Brooke watched it the other day. I think oh. they liked it. I refuse to watch anything Grinchy. <laughs> <laughs> did did we'll get there a bit later, Evie? I'll ask you a bit later which one you prefer. Okay, but we won't do it right now. But yeah, not yet. after watching the the animated one, what did you expect from this one? Were they going? Did you think they were going to be the same movie? I thought that. The the animated one would have kind of copied it off the other one. Yeah. But it was, it's got like different parts in it than oh. the animated ones. Are they the same the, Are they the same story? Maybe? They're kind of the same story, but it's got like all these other little parts that aren't in the um, old one. Yeah, okay. That's good to know. So it's about obviously the Grinch stealing Christmas yeah. in the it's, animated one as well. He still gets dressed up as Santa and takes all the presents. Yeah, I've heard though that that takes like 25 minutes to happen yeah. And then it's all afterwards for the animated one Well that makes a lot more sense Yeah, to me. as opposed to what this is, which is Which is like the origin story of Yes, the <laughs> yes, that's right <laughs> 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 I never thought of it that way That's so funny So Evie, did you enjoy what you got? Yes <laughs> do, you, do you think, do you have any moments We talked a bit about this in the car were there any funny moments that you loved? Not that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask you something seriously? And Because from an adult, uh, uh, were there any bits that scared you? Because there are some bits, like the little, I won't lie, the little kid scares me. The little version of the Grinch. The little Grinchy kid scared me. When yeah. he's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you was... thought he was a bit cute at times though, didn't you? Because yeah. he was little. But like when he was oh, a really? baby, he looked kind of... He's a bit scary as a baby, wasn't he? Those eyeballs. He, he does, yeah. 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 Reminds me of my brother, John. We'll be hearing about this. Yeah, we'll be hearing about that on Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, you talked about a bit that you were very concerned for one of the characters, though, Evie. Do you remember the bit you mentioned in the car today? You were really worried about somebody and they were on top of the sled. Oh, the girl you were very that, were on top, that was on top of the sled, I thought that she would end up sliding down the hill. Yes, at the end. Ah. Very worried for Cindy Lou. <laughs> the other thing you were worried about was an avalanche. Yeah. You thought an avalanche was going to come down and get Same. her. I thought an avalanche was, I thought that was going to be a plot point too. Me yeah. too. Hmm. On that giant hill yeah. covered yeah, in snow. I didn't think that he would have planned that. I thought it would have been like, since it was so heavy, all the ple- presents are on the edge of the oh. cliff. It's like it'd make the cliff fall down. Oh, I see. And, the the and then it, and then it, um, it reveals his house. Oh. So which part was this? This is at the very end. At the it? end, yeah. yeah, where Cindy Lou's on top of the sleigh. Yep. Okay. Oh. I think I and need he, to watch the trailer. And he yes. uses his Grinch strength. 
Use, he does use his Grinch strength. Yeah. He lifts it up above his head, doesn't he? Yeah. You also really liked inside his house a bit, didn't you, Evie? Yeah. What was the bit that you really thought was cool? I liked how he had the zip line from upstairs down to his lounge. <laughs> yeah, you really liked every time he did a big swing in and <laughs> land on the chair, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you. I liked the big monkey with that. It was with the symbols. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. You had some questions though about the Grinch. You were very concerned about his hands. How much yeah. of it was fingers and how much of it was hair? Like since like I know he's an actor but it's like for him when he's actually the Grinch in the movie I felt like is most of his fingers hairy or is it like just yeah. Fingers. Yeah. How, how does he pick it. his nose without sneezing? <laughs> that would be my problem. <laughs> Evie has spent a lot of the last couple of days since we've watched the film. Anytime she's there, she gets the poster up on my phone and then zooms up on the Grinch's <laughs> eyes and she like sticks it in my face and goes, look at me. <laughs> I say, look into my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you liked how he had curly eyebrows too, didn't you? Yeah, you thought I, that was funny. And um, I noticed that in the poster and I'm like, he looks like a girl now that I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> so Evie, um, what do you think of the people who live in the town? Did you think that they were not? Or the, were they a bit? They were, oh, what are they called? Who's? Whovillians? Whovillians? Because it's they were who-villians? they were like kind, but like sometimes they were, were a bit mean to the Grinch. Too. They were, weren't so they? So that's kind of why he. I think that's why he turned a bit hating Christmas because everyone didn't really like him at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I didn't. Agree. I didn't like the Whovians at all, I except that, for the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Little girl and her dad. Cute. I like her dad. Eventually stood up. Yeah, right? the dad, dad was a kind soul, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. The mayor's definitely not nice, is he? Yeah. He's a bit mean. Yeah, he is a bit weird. Yeah. Very um, weird. Do you, do you think the Whovians, was their makeup cool or was it a bit weird? Or? It was cool, but the nose just looked really weird. It looked like they had like a hedgehog nose or an yeah. animal Thank you. nose. <laughs> but I think that's like the book, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. they're the trying to make it look like, like the book. Still the genre. The kid didn't really have that. No. no. I said, I asked the same question. Yeah. Why doesn't yeah. the kid have it like the yeah. others? I think, um, I think we were talking about it before. Yeah, they um they grow into their nose. They grow. Oh. It's like a teenager. You get your teenager, nose. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit weird. I did like Craig the uh, the um, Hoovian version of Reeboks early on when they go to play the prank on the Grinch. You know how they do the knock and run. Oh, yeah. You see oh. like the Hoovian version of that. <laughs> did you like it when the um, you hear the big growling noise going yeah. on from up there, and then yeah. it turns out to be like a big the dog, <laughs> yeah, barking it's into like the big speaker, into the like fake monster Grinch, and yes. the dog's just barking through <laughs> this like horn, and then it makes a loud projection out. Yes. Did hey, you okay? Did you like the dog? Yeah. Dog he, is cute. The dog the dog actually cared about Christmas though. Yeah, you felt like the dog it. cared about Christmas and he was just caught up in the Grinch's antics. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Awesome. Um so Evie, let's talk about the new cartoon version versus the one that we watched. Which to you is the old one, isn't it? Yeah. You've got like the cartoon one, the new one, the old one. Do you have a favourite? 
I like the old one. You like the old one better than the cartoon? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. That's very interesting. I, I didn't ask that question, so I kept it. What was better? I mean, um, like, why, why was it better? I liked how it looked more, like, human-like and it was more, like, reality-looking. Yeah. And all the reality-looking things, like, it looks like it's happened in real life before, although yeah, it hasn't. Okay. Okay, okay, I can respect that. Yeah, yeah. it's opposite me. It freaks yeah. me out because it looks too human-like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. It looked like a world, though, that you could go visit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like oh, it does. Go it's called visit. Windale. <laughs> Everyone has a suburb like this yeah. <laughs> where you can run into Are you talking about the Grinch's cave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, true. Very much. Eating glass, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, well... Overall, Evie, if you were to give a good old from first to last out of five on the um, out of five rating on the Grinch, what do you I'd reckon? Give it a four. Four. Oh, four. Hey, here's a question for you though: Is the Grinch a little scary? A bit. It is sometimes. Uh, the reason why I gave it a four was because like. The some of the people were a bit mean though, yeah. And the Grinch was a bit mean, so it's kind of like a grown up more. It's a version. bit more of a grown up, but version. then the cartoons like a kitty kind of yeah. one, the Grinch. So. All right, I'm gonna pick on you right now and say, <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. You need to tell me your rankings out of the three movies oh. you've seen. So out of Guardians of Gahu, The Polar Express, and The Grinch. You need to rank them. The first one being your favourite, obviously, and third one being your worst. Tell me. Come on, I'm putting um, you on the spot, Evie. You can do it. I like the Guardians of Garhul first. Ooh. Evie I've, loves the Guardians I've of Garhul. I've always loved that. Yeah. And then it's the Grinch and then the Polo Express. Oh. Ooh. Here's a little question that I sort of wish that we'd talked about more, Craig. Evie. If you think, what's your favourite Christmas movie? Um, Do you have a favourite? We watch Elf a lot, don't we, at yeah. Christmas time? Elf gets a good run. Polar Express is a pretty good Christmas yeah. movie. Christmas now, Chronicles is a big one at our house now. Christmas Chronicles. Kurt Russell's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Um, Die Hard. Well, it's not really the Gremlins, yeah. Christmas one, but it does have Santa in it. Okay. The Rise of the Guardians. Oh, you love oh, Rise of the no, Guardians. Actually, yeah. I love that movie too, <laughs> man. We watched that literally for about, I don't know, three months every time she was with every Same Carter. Day. And she <laughs> loves yeah. it. Jack Frost. Oh, why are you always to, underfoot? <laughs> That's yeah. I, said I had to like... I stopped doing it so then I'd have a break of it and I wouldn't always get sick of it. Yes, oh, you man love on it. Moon. That's a that <laughs> is a great film, isn't it? I love yeah. that film. Rise that should have gone so, so much better. Yeah, DreamWorks had a good little season there, didn't yeah, they? But I yeah. don't think that was a big hit. No, because I think it didn't stick with their normal cartooniness. Yeah. It was yeah. a bit darker. It's actually part of a series, a book series. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So that's a there's an actual book series that's about. My girl. <laughs> 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 oh, are you still related? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you? Oh. <laughs> that was that's the best. an awesome moment. <laughs> a while ago, I said I ain't dropping no eaves. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great one. I said, "Stop your eavesdropping." She said, "I ain't be dropping no eaves." <laughs> I should have my son here saying inappropriate comments. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so good. Well, Evie girl, um, have you got anything else you want to say about Grinch? I really liked how he has all the like rubbish at when he slides down in the bin because oh, it's like yes. all the rubbish ends up actually going in the bin. Yes, and then it's like all the Christmas trees growing around him. Yes, I love that. And then he has to too. walk in there, and he's like. Oh, I can't more trees. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a bit um Oh, I don't know how to say this. Uh he's a bit funny the old Grinch though, isn't he? Yeah. He's a, he's like he's a, he's an interesting the way the way he acts. Yeah. Do you think the way he acts is like um compare him to the the cartoon one? Does the cartoon one say lots of silly things? No. No, he doesn't act like that, does he? Ah. Well, last time I watched it, I don't think he said many funny words. Like, yeah. he did say some, but not much. Yeah, because this Grinch is really doing lots of funny things, isn't yeah. he? Now I remember one of the funny things was when he shaved his beard off, but he didn't actually really have a beard then. And yes. then he had to have all these, like, Band-Aids and little holes on his... Oh, yeah. And beard. then he had to have, like... A paper bag over his head. <laughs> that was very funny when she said, um, put your book, take the bag off. And yeah. then, and then put the book there. And then he has and to then put it out. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny, that bit, wasn't it? Because yeah. he expected the book to go down and then see him, but then his big boot was in the way. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was very funny too. Um, cool. Well, hey. We won't keep you heaps long. I know in the past yeah. we've had Evie and she sat there for a while thinking, oh, boy, I've got to listen oh, to these, these two. Guys yeah. guys jabber, jabber, jibber, jabber. <laughs> we don't want to hold you up. Evie's itching because uh, we've got the Killian family here with us right now. So yeah, exactly. Gonna Some of my little... boys out there causing fires or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably climbing up my tree or swinging on the swing or jumping on the trampoline. Well, there's right. lots of fun things to do out <laughs> All there. All at once. Too. So, Evie girl. Thanks for being on again. Thanks, okay. Evie. I don't know when we're going to be able to do it for a little while because Craig and I have planned out a few future seasons. I don't yeah, think exactly. there's a lot of kids' movies coming up. The Exorcist? Do you think we're going to do more <laughs> Dr. Zeus later? Because like, there's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Oh, that's I not, think. That's not oh, a right? Dr. Seuss. No, that's, that's a Roll of Dahl. Yeah, maybe we could do Roll of Dahl. Oh, well, put, that would put, be cool. you wouldn't mind doing a Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> I huh? do. I do yeah. Cat in a Hat. What about the Lorax? You like the oh, Lorax, yeah. don't I've you? I've never seen Lorax. the Lorax. That's Danny DeVito, isn't it? So, really? You yeah, haven't seen it? So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get it together, Craig. Yeah, it's good. Come on. Come Hello, on. exactly. It's good. It's good. I get killed by two reeds here. What's going on? So we love having you on here, Evie. Thanks so much. Okay. Um, we'll try. <laughs> it's nothing. It's just no. a general Wednesday. No, I'm gonna hurry up. I've got another podcast. Yeah, she's got. <laughs> she's got a. She's got a hard out. We got to get her out of here quickly. <laughs> so um, we'll have you on sometime soon. Are you going to draw a picture so we can show the people? You normally draw Maybe. a picture. Uh, we will have to get you to draw a picture so you can uh, put it on the social like, media. I could draw like the sleigh with all the presents in it. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And the Grinch. you got to have the Grinch on. got to have the Grinch yeah, yeah. You do a little I'm not green good at drawing Grinch. Oh, I'm not seeing you try, so you <laughs> might be amazing. But, hey, we might say goodbye to you, Evie, and then we're going to keep okay. on with the episode. Is that cool with you? Okay. All right. When I go out, what if it gets, starts getting dark and we just creep through here? Yeah, I think we'll be finished, so don't worry. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Evie, thanks so much for being on. 
Thanks, okay. We love you being here. You got any last words for the listeners? Um, any advice? Keep watching movies. Keep watching movies. Yeah. You heard it here from Evie Reed. <laughs> Thanks so much, Evie girl. See you. See you. Bye. Hey, Craig, how good is it? When we have Eva Girl on the Ah, Eva Girl, love her. So she's, good. She's so been good. so excited for this. Um, and, yeah, we, we tried something a bit different this this time around as well, which is we've pre-recorded Evie. Yep. Uh, the reason for that is is because the poor darling has to sit and listen to us jabber on for at least an hour before she even gets to really input into things. Exactly, exactly. And plus also, you know what I mean, like... um. I have to be on my best behavior because obviously there's a freaking kid. There's a beautiful little kid around here. And I'm talking like a beautiful little kid, like yep. one with a beautiful soul that I'm scared that if she touches me, it'll, I'll burn. She's such <laughs> a, know? she's such a And I'm just like, thing. oh, yeah, I like the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> also, so we just thought we'd put that in there. That way our, our regular um, flow is not broken as well. Yeah, And exactly. so um, I love it. I love that she gets to be on it. She just but she has really, some great points too. Is really she good. does? She does. She thinks quite a lot about it. Actually, when oh, we were man. watching, we were watching the the film, and we were doing it while we were playing Lego. We build Lego together as a little sort of end of day mindfulness thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wouldn't do any Lego with me because she needed to focus on the film. <laughs> Got to focus. So she sat on the couch and watched it while I built her Lego. Um, so Craig, getting back to what we would normally sort of talk about now on the podcast. I'm really interested. How long has it been since you've seen this film? I never watched it from start to finish. Really? No, I've never watched it from start to finish. Wowzers. Carter's seen it like six times. Legit? Yeah, I don't know. I was like, how have you seen this movie? And he was like, oh, I watch it at Nana's. She's got it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, but you're not over there at Christmas. Yeah, we just watch it whenever I'm over there. <laughs> God, All your right. Nana needs some new DVDs. Shit. She does. <laughs> she also needs to upgrade to a Blu-ray player. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I can't remember the last time I watched this movie, hey? it's I had to buy it for the like, podcast. I've seen clips. I've seen bits of it. You know I'm sure I've seen it from start to finish. Actually, maybe I haven't. Yeah, see, it's like that, isn't it? It's, it's instantly recognisable for me. Yeah. But... I can't remember. Yeah, it's crazy. I definitely know I've watched Cat in the Hat a few times. Yeah. But The Grinch is so strange. So I guess, Craig, then, thinking about the podcast and our journey so far, 13 films mm. to now, and your knowledge of the film, what do you expect from the film? Oh, man. um, I guess I expected... Oh, well, see, I didn't know much about it, like... I, I, like I said, it's instantly recognisable, but the storyline of it, I didn't know huge or much. Yeah. You know, obviously, steals Christmas, no shit. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how he steals Christmas or he steals presents, all that type of stuff. Yeah. I just figured, yeah, okay, cool. He's a person who hates Christmas. I expected to be very, sort of like Scrooge. Yeah, okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. a Scroogey type thing. Um, And so I was like, yeah, so it's like a Scroogey type thing, but with a Grinch. Yeah, uh, who's I don't know what a Grinch is, uh, but it's a Grinch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean, and that's what I expected. It's so, yeah, it's interesting. I think I'm going to say from the get go, I really didn't enjoy this movie. Um, <laughs> just to put it out there early, get the elephant out of the room. I did not have a good time. 
Um, and when I really thought about what I was expecting, I guess knowing how Howard tackles movies, yeah, I knew that Jim Carrey's always going to bring something. Yeah. So you know there's going to be pretty wild, over-the-top yeah. antics. Yeah. So that was okay because I guess, again, knowing how well Howard handles ensemble casts, mm. he can tackle big actors. Yeah. So it shouldn't be too hard, you know, to, to, to manage, say, someone like Jim Carrey. But I guess I was expecting there to be more storyline. Um, I, I think, yeah. So when I watched it and I was watching through it, I couldn't help but, like, I love Jim Carrey. I love the sets. Yeah. I love some of the directing in the film. Yes. You know, some of the casting in the film. Yes. Um, but I couldn't connect with the film. It's weird. And I fucking... And it was... You know where you just know... It's like... I think we know too much about it now. It's yeah. You know when you watch a TV series and you know... That it was written for six, yes. not eight episodes. Yes. And you're just filling shit in. Yeah. It's like they do it heaps with Walking Dead. You know, suddenly yeah, yeah. they're just going to follow a guy inside a freaking cavern. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? Um, <laughs> he's gone, Dad. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, but then, um, and that's what this film is. Like, the last half hour of this film, I loved it. Same. Love the last half hour of this film. From when he moment- actually steals fucking yeah, Christmas. When I love he it. starts singing the song. You're on. And can I just say, and this is, and I know people are going to torch me alive, but, okay, now, look, Rick Baker did the um, makeup. Makeup. Effects, yep. Amazing makeup. Yeah. The design is shit. It's weird, isn't it? The, the design is crap. Like, it's just, okay, so first of all, that little the Kid Grinch is one of the <laughs> is one of the scariest fucking horrible uh, looking things. But this film, you could get screenshots of this film and it could be an awesome, awesome horror film. Hence the reason that when you said Tim Burton, I was like, man. Perfect. This fuck could have been perfect. But that baby Grinch, man, that baby Grinch oh, dude yes. is just creepy as hell. Like it's something like out of basket case or or you know, erase ahead or something like that. I was no, just like, it's a Tales from the Crypt. Oh, <laughs> it is horrible. It is horrible. Like the way he stares and looks at and 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 suddenly there's and there was weird sexualization of that that young girl Martha May. Like, why are you looking the lollipop? Like stuck to the aren't you I've like gotta say five or six? I'm like the- Ugh. Ugh. I really dislike the sexualization within the film. There was some of it. I was just like, Ugh. even like there's, you know, when they're adults and she's like trying to be attractive for the Grinch, there's like a moment where she like pushes up her boobs and does all that sort of stuff. I was just like, let's just go there now. Can we, can we go let's there go now? Let's go where we're there. Um, what's really disappointing to me in the film is when I think about Ron Howard as a director. Yeah. One, Jim Carrey is the best and worst bit of this film. So, on one hand, Jim Carrey is why you watch it. Yeah. And he's so funny. Like, yeah. there's moments that you're just like, oh, like, I did some research and so much of his dialogue was, was ad-libbed. Oh, you know, of course. He's just of riffing. Course. But 
in doing that and allowing so much freedom, which in my research, Howard had found that worked so well with Michael Keaton. Michael yeah. Keaton was hilarious in Night Shift because he was allowed to just riff and work things out. But Jim Carrey, this is a star vehicle for him. Yeah. And it feels like it. Not a Ron Howard film. And so you just get all these pieces of like Jim Carrey going over the top constantly. And as a result, I feel you lose grip of what the story actually is amongst... It almost becomes like a Jim Carrey skit show. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's like, um, it's like a chocolate cream pizza. That sounds fucking awesome, <laughs> but it probably tastes like shit. <laughs> you chocolate know what I mean? Cream chocolate cream pizza. Cream. Oh, fuck! Imagine that chocolate and cream and ice cream on a pizza. Probably sound it. It probably sounds awesome or fucking horrible. Sounds like something I'll try. But that's a th- exactly. <laughs> it's Jim Carrey. It's Ron Howard. It's a Christmas movie. Hundred um, percent. It's it's Rick Baker doing um, effects, special effects. It's special effects. It's um, Horner doing the music. Doing music. Um, you know what I mean? Like it. And you watch the trailer, and you go, "Man, I'm I'm surprised I didn't watch it." Yeah. I'm, there must have been some reason the why the pieces I didn't watch are all it. there. It just aren't seemed they, like Craig? it fit there. But when you watch it. You go away with a weird sense of, like well, a dis. It just it seems dysfunctional. Yes, and I think what's really interesting in it is how it does have this ability to make you like characters. Yeah, and at the end of it, I still don't walk away liking the Grinch. I don't think there's anything that really redeems the Grinch. But they're just simple things. I think there are simple things that um, just could have been cleaned up. I think yeah. it just needed some cleaning up. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I and there are some things where um, you just go, okay, well, that's pretty crap. Yeah. I think the, the like I said, the makeup design, it, I know it's meant to be the Whovians, and I think you could have done it well. Yeah. I think it could have been done better, but it was too distracting. Yes. And it gave, instead of them being cute... They came across more as grotesque. Yeah, they did, didn't you know they? You know what I mean? And so even and and so that because I think you I think people need to take in, well, in my opinion, anyway, when you're doing a Christmas film, yeah, it's not just about the story; it's about the whole feel of the film. Yes. You know, a person who would be perfect to talk about would be Kathy Lee. So, yes. So Kathy Lee would obviously understand the whole dynamic behind a Hallmark film. Yes. You know what I mean? Because that's what it's meant to be about. You know, and it's it's more than that. It's about this feel. It's about this tone. It's about the color palette. Blah blah blah. You know, like a World War Two film. Even jumping into that. Yes. You know, has that needs that that little yeah, bit of yeah. graininess. Um, and there's that's missing in for this to be a Christmas film. There's some. It, there's a little bit of graininess to. I don't know whether, but there's also um. I think the color palette is strangely dark. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's dark, and, and it's, that's why we the the parallel with Tim Burton works. Yeah, the, is because it has his palette. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I thought, oh, it would work with Tim Burton. Yeah, but as a Christmas film, it needs you. You need it to be more engaged in the magic of the Hoovians. Totally. Um, I but, think the Cindy Lou storyline is almost betrayed like, in it. Yeah, she's. And she doesn't, like, even though, obviously, you could tell she's the perfect poster girl for a film like this. Yeah. I don't think she carried it enough. Um, carried enough of that magic. Or the people didn't support her enough in that magic of Yes. It. You know what I mean? Like, she 
she always just seemed like the outcast because, well, she was the only one wearing not make, wearing makeup. Yep. Um, everyone around her is just looking these rough as guts, these weird ass creatures. Yep. It just looked weird. And I know they're trying to, and I know I've seen the drawings. I know it's very much like the drawings. Yeah. Um, of Dr. Seuss and all that. and But it just comes across on screen as just... Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is. And, and and I guess in it, the thing that's really hard is, is that Howard, he's still trying stuff. Like, you've got to say, this is a bold film for Rob Oh, it's heaps bold. He's taken a huge risk. It doesn't work. You can tell it's not what he wanted to do. No, it's so interesting. And, you know, there's there's talk about how hard Jim Carrey was on set. Yeah. So could you could imagine, like, again, Carrey's really at his peaky. Yeah. And so there would be the challenges of keeping him happy. Yeah. In a star vehicle that he's loving. Um, but I think also Howard's trying a few things, and I think for the first time, He's tried a couple things and it's not worked more than it has worked. Yeah. So you can forgive occasional moments that don't work in films because the rest of the film is a triumph. Um, so even like from the moment the film starts, there's so many Dutch angles in this film. Yeah. And I don't understand it. Like a Dutch angle's purpose is to give you a sense of unease, feeling unsettled. Yeah. And it's like if I'm meant to love these odd people, don't start by my first view of the Whovians being a sweeping sort of rocking camera that comes in. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, like I said, it it more plays up to them being grotesque. Yeah. And then and obviously the first real sequences and I know this is part of the story arc. Yeah. Is you see all the Whovians shopping. Yes. You know what I mean? Um and so well, you know, oh, these are just like greedy pigs of people, you know, and yeah. then with the Dutch ca- Dutch angles um, and all these things where it's shot from the upwards where it's almost they're trying to pass it off as a, as like this weird David Lynch type film. Yes. Um, and then they go, but now I want you to feel for him. Why yes. would I feel for him? Why would I give a shit that the Grinch just stole all this stuff? I fucking, I, I reckon the Grinch is right. <laughs> well, they're horrible to him they're the horrible, entire but time. But they're horrible people. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and when the Grinch changes his mind, I'm sort of like, why are you changing your mind for, mate? These are horrible people. Yeah, why do you want to be a part of it? Yeah, exactly. Aside from, be, he's lonely. He's lonely. Look, oh, look, mate, you're lonely. You're, you're in love with a woman who, who just got picked up by a car and a ring, a yeah. diamond ring. <laughs> you know, who just got, yeah. You're not going to win her over with your cave. You know what I mean? That's not going to last long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you don't shave down there, man. If you don't manscape down there and you're a bush, he How would have many? a bushy long dick with a, just like his fingers, man. He'd have that, he'd have that long bit of hair. It's like when po- you have a hairy dog. Yeah, exactly. Just a, a hairy dog. It's like he'd probably have that little bit of urine on the end of it too, you know, just fucking, just that hairy dog. And, and that's what it, and it would be, man. He just, oh, God. So Ugh, gross. She'd be picking like green, green pigs oh, out of her teeth for fucking gross. days, man. Oh, uh, can but we, like, but there are so many odd moments and I think... But there's odd choices, artistic choices. The amount of times that Jim Carrey in full costume is bending over at the camera with no pants on. Yeah. It's just like... Or doing massive like leg spreads at the camera. It's like... I honestly... The only way this is going to... I don't say this lightly, right? Yeah. I swear this is the I'm on drugs film. 
It is. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the only way that these choices are being made, they're just, it's like, it screams someone that doesn't get what they're working with. And it, I'm talking about Jim Carrey here. Because yeah. like if he loved the Grinch story, he would pare it back a little bit. But here's the thing is, is and, and I don't think we're picking up on, I don't think we're nitpicking because if this distracts us, it's not these things yeah. are not were not meant it's to distract us from the film. Yes, you know what I mean. It's meant to be a basic a film about you know a guy who who finds the love of Christmas. Yes, but what about Christmas? Do you actually love in this film? They don't show any benefits of what Christmas is. Well, it's you know apart you don't you know you I think you only see a glimpse of Santa dropping presents and pissing off, um and and there's nothing about it that sells Christmas. Yeah, that make you go. Well, he's been naughty, you know. Like it, it just seems like a horrible world, a horrible world. Maybe it's a horrible people. Yeah, it it really does. There's nothing, there's nothing, and um, it's interesting you talked about them shopping. Mm. Earlier you touched on that. Uh, Ron Howard really wanted to focus on the way that Christmas is this mass machine of hype and hysteria. Uh, so that's sort of, I guess that's him. Putting a political view in there, I, I understand it too, and and you need that in there, yeah, to guide the girl's decision of yes. what, because she's searching for what Christmas is, yes, but it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't, and it's like, so uh, disappointing the fact that it doesn't, does it? Yeah, exactly. So you don't see enough of the good of Christmas prior to him stealing the stuff to make you care that he actually stole the stuff. Well, I guess they work so hard, and I guess this is. Our understanding of the Grinch book yeah. is limited. Very. But in working so hard to make us realise why the town doesn't like him. Yeah. When he has his chance at redemption, it makes no sense why the town would accept him. Yeah. But the actions of the town are so conflicting with the way that they... Reprehensible! Yes. And so... Then when he accepts the town, it doesn't make sense again. Yeah. Because you, so you both, don't want him to accept Both the resolutions town. are juxtapositions of the way you feel. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, it's a really odd way for it to be. It's, oh, yeah. I know, it's a hard thing. And I, like I said, you and I don't like to bag out films. No, we don't. And I guess, but also we've been conditioned to know, to say that, look, Ron Howard cares about his characters. Yes. And he cares about, he wants you to care about the characters on the screen. But in this, I, I seriously, it's almost like Brian Grazer directed it. And then fucking <laughs> Ron Howard just like, all oh, right, just put my freaking name on no, it. No, I, I think if we if we were able to be there, I would not be surprised if Jim Carrey directed this. Film. I would not be surprised that Jim Carrey had too much say. Yes. He, I, I, well, honestly, it feels like. Jim Carrey and the family, um, family, the Giesel family, had too much say through the whole process. Yep. And Ron Howard never got to have. But that's me giving a parachute to Ron Howard, okay? Because yeah, but looking but at his past before, work, yeah, but looking at his future work as yeah. well, the guy's not a slouch. The no. guy's not a hey, look, I'm. I'm a new guy, Ron Howard. This is Apollo 13, Ron Howard, yes. at this time. Yes. You know what I mean? So this is a guy who is able to command it. So no, actually, I take back my previous statement. He he has he needs to take a lot yeah. of responsibility for this. And film. I think I think it is a Jim Carrey film. 
Mm. So he's really pulling a lot of strings and probably contractually he had a bit of creative yeah. input in it. Um, so, and that's a challenge because I would love to think, I actually think now talking about the early casting, if Eddie Murphy was the Grinch in this film, we probably would have had a bit more joy because like, the Grinch is just so darn nasty. I just, it's not even that. I just see the Grinch is just dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? The it's, eating the garbage and stuff. Oh, it's just, just, he's just not a character that I just. But there are moments that should be really good hitting home moments. Yeah. Like comedically, the moment where he, and again, there's stuff that are in there that I get cranky with because they feel like they're just made for kids, yeah. which I know the target audience is. Like Evie was a great example. When he came down on the flying fox to sit in his chair. She's like, so cool. Because her dream would be to have a flying fox yeah. to go somewhere. You know, but there's that moment where he's then wearing like a, like almost like a prostitute like sort a of black satin <laughs> dressing gown. But it, that totally betrays a really funny gag, which is he takes his socks off and they run away because he's so smelly. Yeah, exactly. Like that was a really funny joke, but I'll, I'm still stuck looking at that. I would like to see the animated version with Benedict Me Cumberbatch. too. Like just after watching this. Yeah. And to see if Sony, isn't it? Uh, no, it's Illumination, so that's Universal. Oh, okay. So, see if they've done any course correction in that yeah, sense. Yeah, I'd, I mean? I'd hope so. Uh, I have a feeling. Actually, Kathy Lee might have gone with Evie to the movies to see it, and she was like, "Oh, he's still not nice, but that's the point of it." But but they tackle that, and he becomes nice in the first thirty minutes of the film. Oh, okay. As opposed to this, spends an hour getting him to the point of disliking him, to that's then have him steal. And come good in the end. It's an hour of Jim Carrey waiting to do something. Yes. Like, what, like it, that's the problem. It doesn't push ahead the story enough. So you can tell they're just wasting time until the last half hour, which is a good last half hour. Um, that's Howard's half hour. Yeah, exactly, which is a good one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love when he comes down. Oh, look, I love the parts where he comes down and accepts the awards. Yes. I think that's hilarious, especially when he beats those kids. Oh, and he's like, I beat you! Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a really good window into how the film could have been great. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. even the scene where he's like getting fed all the pudding. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, that's really uh, funny because Jim Carrey is given the opportunity to be over the top. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's contained mm. and it's just not a series. Like, there are moments this feels like a really, it just made me think of like, Remember when Austin Powers came out, there were all those weird sort of movies that were almost like skits chucked together yeah, with a thinly veiled yeah. sort of plot line? Scary movies turned into those. Yeah. yeah. And and this felt like Jim Carrey's one of those. Yeah, it was odd. As he's like dropping references and all this stuff through it. And so those moments are really good when he comes down to the town. I loved the moment that was like an action film and he's driving the little car around <laughs> and it like loses control yeah. and he does the slow motion runaway and it explodes. Like that's, to me, that's Ron Howard having fun. Yeah. And to me, it's Ron Howard directing, but just leaving the camera in the cave and just filling it with things like, even like, it was just odd. It was funny the first time he did it where he like 
gets a bottle and sits down like he's going to have a drink and then he eats it. Yeah. That to me was like, oh, that's a little bit funny. Yeah, because he's an odd man. But again, I'm just like, oh, man. There's so many jokes that then come out of the pieces of glass and stuff like that that it's just like, oh, what is going on here? I know. It's, 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 oh, look, it's, it's hard. I don't, I can't really say much more on it because it's, I don't really want to get into too much of a negative territory, but it just felt weird. This is Ron Howard's crime wave. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And, but like, the hard thing in watching this is that I can't, find a lot of things in the film and I've watched it twice now in a fortnight. Oh, really? Um, Ooh, so I watched yeah. it once for Ooh. myself because Evie asked lots of questions so I'm like, I'm going to watch this on my own so I can make my notes and then I can watch with her and gauge her experience. Yeah. Um, but in it, I don't see a lot of things that I then would go, there's lots of things for future films in here. Yeah. You know, like he's not setting up foundations for future work. The only thing I can think of is maybe this could be his last hurrah for allowing an actor to have full control of or a lot of control on something. Yeah, exactly. It it, it could be. Like I can't now I might obviously might be wrong with the ones coming up, but it would be his last work with superstars. Yes. It's you know interesting. I mean? Well, he goes back and works with Ron Howard again later. And there are other films, but I think I'm hoping this is the film where he goes, all right, from now on, I stick with my ensembles. Yeah. That's where my strength is. Yeah, exactly. Guiding lots of people. And again, if that was approached, if the direction was approached in that way for this film, I actually think we would have got a far better film. Yep. And I think if you showed a bit more of their faces more so you could connect with the characters more. Definitely. It would be a lot better. Definitely. A few more steadier. Also, like, well, there's some good actors. There's some good actors under that under, under that makeup, the, man. That's um, a big cast of supporting yeah, exactly. actors in this. And and I think it could have been something where you all you could have just done a wacky haircut, and then basically, and that could have been Hoovian. You know what I mean? It yes. didn't have to, or just bikey ears or whatever. Now, Craig, let's just talk kid Grinch. Oh, fucking kid. <laughs> Fucking kid Grinch. Did you ever watch Passions? Passions. Passions was this weird soap style show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that had the doll that would come to life. No. Oh, crazy. It's a total different world. Passions was sort of late 90s to early 2000s. It was a show, wasn't it? No, no. Passions was like an American one. It was like The Bold and the Beautiful. Oh, right? really? But imagine if The Bold and the Beautiful had paranormal things going on in it. Awesome. And this is what it was. And so there was this doll called Timmy and it looked like just this weird doll that this old lady would carry around and they'd put it down and at certain times the doll would come to life. Oh. And he talked about himself in the um, third person, so he always called himself, Timmy likes this. Da, 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 da. Uh, but it was just a half-hour soap where all this weird paranormal... Uh, they only, imagine Buffy the Vampire Slayer mixed with the bold and the beautiful. Okay, that's and that's random. what you got. Yeah. Um, that actor played the doll that plays the kid. And so my mind was immediately transported to seeing Passions, which was this creepy show that everyone watched to make fun of it. Mm. And I couldn't even watch that bit. 
Oh man, that little kid is just creepy as shit. Yeah. Like just creepy, man. Just watching him just go about with this this li- weird little um smirk on his yes. face and stuff. I'm like, oh bro, you could they could have been you know you could have been a little bit more cuter. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh, oh. and it just that whole sequence in that school part just made me feel. Ugh. It's again. Like, feel, it's like felt like I was in the dark web, man. I was like, oh, this is fucking wrong. Like that. Remember that one we found of that weird random picture of that whatever that. Oh, remember I sent you and he, and they're holding him and they they're holding a girl and they, they pour milk and shit all over. Yes, yeah, that weird random photo. I said, ooh, just like that. It, it just, was. Well, you didn't need much context. You just felt icky just looking at oh, it. Your great. skin crawled, and this little kid just made my skin. Crawl. I felt I've never wanted to kick a kid before. I think, but I think again, that's a really good indication of the aesthetics of the film mm. in general. Yeah, exactly. And again, maybe it is because we approach this like a Christmas movie. Yeah. And so there are things we expect. You think about Polar Express. Yeah. Polar Express has like, it still feels like a Christmas movie. Yeah. James Horn James Horner's score is not the thing that makes it feel like a Christmas movie. It definitely helps. But the lighting and the the, the whole look of the film. Yeah. It just even in that moment just felt off. Like it where he's like giggling and hammering things. It's like I'm I'm expecting at one point him to turn to the camera, like you said, like a horror movie and be like, I swallow your soul yeah. you know. <laughs> or, or something like that. And so it just Oh man, I'm just really disappointed. I know, hey. I know. I'm just really creeped out by the the, the show. I it just I felt like more I was watching like a like a a missed horror opportunity. Yeah, than I was watching a Christmas film. Yeah, a Ron Howard Christmas film. Yeah, you're so right, Craig. It really doesn't feel like a Ron Howard film at all. Does it feel like what I want from a Ron Howard yeah. Christmas <laughs> film? You know what I mean? Like I wanted a Parenthood style, yes, you know, family film where I left. Oh, it feels so good. I'm so happy. The Grinch is happy. You know. Yes. Instead, I was like, man, Grinch, man, you just should have stayed in the mountain. It's it's weird because you do at the end, and I guess this is you should just bombed him. If I found out that this was a Tim Burton project that he left and then Howard picked up and finished off, it would make so much sense. Oh, man. I just, yeah, it's, it, it feels like it's just, I wish there was a Tim Burton version of it. It would be. It'd be fantastic. Perfect. Fantastic. Yep. And you probably would have had someone like a Johnny Depp in character. Because he doesn't even need makeup anymore, Johnny Depp. <laughs> the just poor guy. Just find him after he couldn't find his sweets. <laughs> What a drama! What a drama that what is! What a drama! Isn't it, That's Craig? just getting better that and better. Is such a drama! Yeah, it's really hard. I there's just not a lot of redeeming qualities to this film. No. And I guess if I look at Ron Howard's more modern work, it's that's what makes it so disappointing. Yeah, it is. Oh, look, it just it's that whole thing where you go, yeah, Ron, you could have done better. And. How many times this season have we thought a film's probably not going to be that good? Yeah. And then you watch it and you realise it's it's far better than you realise. it's pretty damn good. And so I guess my expectations were a little bit low on this film. Yeah. So in a way, I could have expected it to be better than I expected. Yeah. Just from experience. But just sadly, it wasn't, was it? No, 
It was unfortunate. Now I, I'm I'm gathering there are probably some North American listeners who love the Grinch. Good and, on you, and know all about <laughs> it. And they're like these two Aussie idiots. But I guess this is the problem, isn't it? Is we just don't understand I don't get it. it. So I don't it doesn't it. connect with us in any way. But I love Cat in the Hat. Yeah, but the Cat in the Hat's joyful and fun. Yeah, it was an awesome film. Yeah, so and it even has a lot of that wackiness and humor yeah. and all that stuff in the, uh, and it even has that adult humor that Mike Myers just throws yes. in there. It just, and, but it just doesn't work in this situation, yeah, exactly. does but, it? But you know, Christ. So, Craig, I didn't ask. You don't have a death of an extra for us this week. No, nah, I don't have a death of an cool. extra. I just Can didn't I just wanna... think of the death of this film. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, Craig, um, I don't have a lot more to say. Oh about man, it. I don't. I don't it's a hard say much one. Cause... I really don't want to say much more. You know. Yeah. Uh, what do you think overall? Crap. <laughs> like thanks really, for that. Really thanks for that. Like it's like polished crap. It came as it's like crap coming out of this really nice ass. That <laughs> <laughs> you just you're sitting there going, "Wow, that's a great ass," but I don't know. How. It's like when it's like when a supermodel, a really sexy supermodel, farts and it stinks. You're just like, <laughs> you're so sexy. How did you create something so fucking horrible? <laughs> how did you create something so horrible? It stinks. You should be just farting roses. That's. That's, that's great analogy, Craig. That's, great that's analogy. my tagline for this film. You should be farting roses. <laughs> you should be farting roses. How? Yeah. Look, I think this film is a film that the pieces were there. Yeah. It was ambitious. I love the fact that it was ambitious. Yep. He tried a lot of stuff. It just didn't work. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, now we should move into our rankings, Craig. Yay! But looking at the Cinefool Studio whiteboard over here, Craig currently has Apollo 13, number one, Willow, number two, Far and Away, three, Parenthood, four, five, Backdraft, six, Cocoon, seven, Splash, eight, Ed TV, nine, The Paper, ten, Ransom, eleven, Night Shift, twelve, Gung Ho, and thirteen, Grand Theft Auto. I've currently got Apollo 13, number one, The Paper, two, Parenthood, three, Followed by Ed TV, Willow, Cocoon, Far and Away, Ransom, Backdraft, Gung Ho, Splash, Grand Theft Auto, and Night Shift. Now, Craig, I'm really interested. Where are you putting this film? Oh, look. I guess, look, once again, use my analogy. It's a great ass. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, there is... The the sets are brilliant. Look, even the... um. The makeup is great. It's just the wrong design. Um, you know what I mean? There was so many. I think his cast and crew um, are doing what they can do. It just doesn't come out well. So I can't put it last. I guess, look, I'll have to move. I'll probably regret it later, but I'll have to move move Night Shift down and I'll put it after Ransom. So number 11, you're popping yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, it's... I had a very visceral response to this film. And visceral. It's, I really didn't like it. And the second visceral. time around was a bit of an easier watch, but I guess that's because I knew what I was in for. Um, I'm going to put it down at number 12 purely because I can see from a filmmaking perspective that Howard is making a better film than Grand Theft Auto and Night Shift. Yeah. Is he... Is he really? I'm I'm really disappointed that for me splashes down at number eleven. Um, but like, what what I guess I I have to say is, is he making a better film than Splash? Heck, no, he's not. No. Um, and I probably enjoy Grand Theft Auto and Night Shift 
more than the Grinch, but I just know as a director, he's making a better film than those two. Yeah, this is a better directed film than those. So good. So, Craig, this brings us to next week. It's an exciting week for us. What is it? Next week, we are joined by a very special douchey guest. Yes, the douche douche (laughs) is finally here. Wow. We're really excited because John... Killian, Craig's John brother. Killian, my big bro. He's in the house. We are talking a beautiful mind. Yes, damn right. Yes. And, and a John, it's not John's mind. It's John's mind is a fucked up one. <laughs> 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 it's, Sorry, it's not beautiful. Sorry, John. No. I think you got a beautiful no, I, I think you're beautiful, John. We've been chatting about books this week. John's got a beautiful heart. His he mind's does. a bit skewed. He's all hard. His mind's I a bit skewed. <laughs> so but I'm really excited, Craig. <laughs> John's really excited. He oh, can't man. wait to be a part of this. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. So next week we are going to be talking a beautiful mind. Now, Craig, where can people find us? Oh, man, you can go on to Instagram or Twitter. We're at FFTL Podcast. Love it. Or even go on to Facebook. Um, we've got a page on there from first to last podcast. Get on there, add some comments. Um, or email us at info at fftlpodcast.com or go onto our website, www.fftlpodcast.com. So good. Have a chat to us. Guys, get on there. Review us. Get yeah. us some stars. Get some stars. Subscribe. It doesn't take much of your time. Share it with I'm a friend. I'm asking for your time, bro. That's right. I'm asking for your time, bro. To me. Just take two seconds, give us five stars, and then text a mate and go, check this out. Just text him and go, hey, give this guy five stars, then That's check right. it out. That's right. That's a perfect order, Craig. That's a perfect order. It's a perfect order. You don't need to listen to us because, you know, you might go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got some great films coming up. So I think we may have been going for 14 films now. Yeah. But let's be honest, we're about to get into the real good stuff. Yeah, we're we, about Craig? to get into the good stuff. So keep with the journey with us, guys. We've been loving it. So from all of us here at From First to Last podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And we'll catch you next week. Bye.